seated. I'm going to preach mainly from our reading from the book of Acts, and I'd like you to take out a Bible if you have it handy. We have them provided in the pews, um, because I'm going to give a little bit more context than what our reading does, and we'll get to that in just a moment. So Acts 16, and I'm going to start in verse 6, uh, and again, we'll get to that in just a moment, but I'll give you a second to turn there. You know, I have heard, and I don't know if this is true because I haven't uh, had a chance to verify this, but I have heard that Celtic Christians had an unusual symbol for the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the traditional symbols of the Holy Spirit is a dove. But I have heard that the Celtic Christians had a wild goose as a symbol for the Holy Spirit. Now, I haven't had many encounters with wild geese, the few that I have haven't been that pleasant. I don't know about you, but the geese are unpredictable. And they can sometimes be aggressive. Uh, when my wife was a little girl, her father went to a city park and captured a wild goose and tried to domesticate it. He liked to do that, I think just to drive his wife nuts. He would bring wild animals home and he would try to domesticate it. And they had this goose and they called her Hissy. And I think you probably know why. And it didn't work out. They could not domesticate this goose. And so eventually, of course, they had to set it free. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit is sometimes gentle like a dove. And the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is oftentimes comforting. But the Holy Spirit can also be disruptive. The Holy Spirit can be unpredictable and startling. And the point I want to make here, brothers and sisters, as we as the Church of Resurrection, corporately and individually, seek to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into our world today, we've got to do that by following the Holy Spirit. And that means, oftentimes, unsettling. It means developments that we couldn't predict. But it means also an adventure that we wouldn't go on if we weren't following the Holy Spirit. Now, we see that in our reading from the book of Acts, Acts 16. And what I want to say here at the outset is following the Holy Spirit often leads to what I'll call divine detours. You're headed one direction and the Spirit can take you in another direction. And that's what we see. Look at verse 6. We'll start at verse 6. Now, at this point in, in Acts, Paul and Barnabas have separated. Silas has joined Paul. And uh, Timothy has joined Paul. So we know that this missionary band at least includes Paul and Silas and Timothy. And it says in verse 6, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Uh, I had to do some refreshing of first century uh, geography when I studied this passage this week. Um, Phrygia and Galatia are, were part of the region of Asia at this time. The, the, the first century Roman province of Asia included the territory now uh, known as Turkey, the country of Turkey. So Phrygia and Galatia and Asia, that's in the region of Turkey. And they're going through that region. And notice that it says that the Holy Spirit forbade them to speak the word. The timing wasn't right. 
to share the Word of God. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes the timing isn't right. We have to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. Now, again, geography here. If you look at a map, Bithynia is to the northeast. And still we're in the region of Turkey, but we're heading to Eastern Europe, underneath the Black Sea, into um, places like Georgia, or the country of Georgia is today, and Armenia. So this is headed towards Eastern Europe. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So we have two verses, and already the Spirit is mentioned twice. The Holy Spirit is orchestrating this mission's trip. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Now that was about 400 miles from Mysia to Troas. According to my study notes, a 400-mile detour. The Holy Spirit has redirected them 400 miles to go to this port city of Troas, which was right across, was right on the Aegean Sea, right across from Macedonia. And that's when they get the Macedonian call. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, verse 9. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So the Holy Spirit is, is taking these missionaries in a direction that, that they hadn't planned to go at all. They were following a natural kind of course of action. It made complete sense what they were doing. Uh, most likely they were traveling one of those, uh, those great Roman roads that the Roman Empire had built so they can go throughout the empire. And these military roads were, were built so that they'd have uh, access to their, their many provinces. And so they were traveling on one of these military roads. And they're probably headed uh, to the port cities in Asia. A city like Ephesus, which was, had, a, had a great population. So it's only natural that they would want to preach in these cities in Asia, where there are so many people coming and to share the gospel there. Surely they had given it a lot of thought and prayer. But the Holy Spirit changed their plans. The Holy Spirit had other plans. And, and what Luke wants to get across to his first readers and to us is that is that the Holy Spirit is in charge of how the gospel spreads. And the Holy Spirit is even in charge of to whom the gospel is shared. It doesn't all depend upon us or our planning. Yes, we make our plans and our strategies and we pray, but then we have to be flexible and follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. That's our task, to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes that means that that we're on a divine detour, adjusting our plans to fit what God is doing, to fit into His plans. And I think many of us probably can look back on our life and see where God kind of redirected us. We were headed in one direction, and then, and then as we prayed about it, as we sought the Lord's guidance, He redirected us. And that needs to happen in the life of any church that's seeking to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be flexible and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. That means that we have to pray and that means we have to listen and be willing again to change course as God leads. At our diocese meeting earlier this year, our speaker shared that when he was a young man, 
he wanted to be an army chaplain. He felt called into ministry, but he uh, was uncomfortable with the risk associated with being a preacher and a pastor. And so he said, well, the safe course of action would be to be an army chaplain. They'll take care of me. And so he signed up to be an army chaplain. And as he's getting closer and closer to the day where he's going to be sworn in, he's getting more and more restless. And he begins to pray about this. And the night before he was going to be sworn in, he, he spent a lot of time in prayer. And he said, God, this is my plan. But if this is not your plan, shut the door and I'll go another way. Well, wouldn't you know, the next morning he gets a letter from the U.S. Army. We've lost all your paperwork. Those were the days of paperwork. You're going to have to start the process all over. And he said, thank you, God, for closing that door. And he said, you know, the army is probably thankful that they didn't get me as a chaplain because I really didn't want to be a chaplain, but I thought that that would be the secure way to go. The point is, and, and then God redirected his path, and now he's, 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 he's a great teacher, Bible teacher, who's been very effective. He's in his 80s now for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the point is, is that we, as we, as we seek to follow the leading of the Lord, have to do so prayerfully and listen and allow him to direct our path. Because that will make us more effective for sharing the gospel. Following the Spirit oftentimes leads to these divine detours. And then it leads, following the Spirit often leads to divine appointments. Divine appointments. Look at what happens when this missionary group gets to Philippi. Verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. So these are a group of women who, um, it, it seems, were Jewish and didn't have enough support to build a synagogue, so they have to do it outside the city. Maybe there was some pressure on the part of the city to do your prayer outside. You're a strange kind of group. We don't, we're not necessarily approving of what you're doing, so you go out and pray at the riverside. But whatever the case, this is a, a small fledging group, Jewish women who gather on the Sabbath day to pray. And among that group was a woman named Lydia, city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods. Verse 14 tells us she was a worshiper of God, which means that she was a Gentile who was joining this Jewish community to seek God. Now, we know a couple of things about Lydia just from the little information that Luke shares with us here. She probably was a very prosperous uh, businesswoman because uh, to sell purple goods would be to be like in the business of selling like Armani or Gucci today. This is high-end clothing. This was a luxury item. Purple was the color of royalty. So she probably was doing pretty well for herself. And yet, even though she was successful as a businesswoman, she still had a hunger for God. She was a worshiper of God. The material things had not satisfied her heart. How many people are there that we encounter day after day, our friends, our neighbors, who are okay when it comes to material possessions, but they need to know God. They're still hungry for God, and some of them don't know it. Lydia knew it. And so she saw something in Judaism and she said, I'm going to go with those people. I'm going to seek God. She's a worshiper of God, but she doesn't know the Messiah yet. 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why God sent Paul and his missionary band to this location. It was a divine appointment. And then it says this, and this is really encouraging to a preacher like me, that um, it says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention. It wasn't the ability of Paul or his uh, rhetoric. It was the work of the Holy Spirit opening her heart to pay attention to what Paul said. And Lydia responds in faith. Says verse 15, she was baptized and her whole household was baptized. And then she urges us. And notice that Luke has switched here to the plural. Us. So this is the first time, I think, in the book of Acts that he uses the plural. He's part of this group at this point. These are based on first-hand accounts. Good historical data here. And uh, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So Lydia, um, Lydia's house becomes a, a, a temporary base for operations in Macedonia. And then if you look at the end of chapter 16, you know what happens in chapter 16? Paul and Silas are thrown into jail. The Philippian jailer is converted. There's a miraculous deliverance. They get out of jail and they go back to Lydia's house because it says that's where the brethren were gathered. So Lydia's house has become a base of uh, operations for the Macedonian mission, but also it seems maybe a house church. Christians are beginning to gather at Lydia's house. Now, the real, um, the real significance of Lydia's conversion is that she's the first conversion in Europe. Light is beginning to dawn in the West, the light of the gospel. And it's because Paul and Silas Paul and and Silas and Timothy were willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and go a different direction. And now the light of the gospel is beginning to shine in the West. What a legacy. You know, uh, our task as Christians is to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit so that as we seek to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can have these sort of divine appointments. These divine meetings. Maybe there are people who God is preparing, just like he prepared Lydia, to hear the gospel. And we're called to be in relationship with such people and then take the opportunity as the Lord leads. So I think one easy application for us is to pray this week for divine appointments. You know, there are times where it's, it maybe is not right to unload the gospel all in one conversation. But we can always pray for divine appointments, and that God would put us in relationship with people who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. My father-in-law, uh, Bob, who um, was a, is a retired uh, electrician, a blue-collar guy, has been uh, spending the last couple of weeks rehabbing a building in his neighborhood. There's a, a rec center, a community center that's, that's been there for years. It's dilapidated, and, and he went in there with a crew of people, and he's rehabbed this building for a church for the Hispanic community in that area, in that neighborhood. That's what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. Now, I've told some of you, haven't heard this, but um, some of you have heard this, that when my father-in-law retired, he was praying that God would give him a mission. He didn't want to just retire and get on the golf course and collect seashells and those sorts of things. He wanted to do something for the Lord. And so he began praying, God, would you direct me so that I can be useful in your kingdom? 
like many of you are praying that prayer as well. And so he began driving past this apartment complex in his neighborhood, and he noticed there were little boys every afternoon that would be there playing soccer, Hispanic boys. And he got the idea, maybe they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he got a soccer ball. And on this soccer ball, he wrote, A Day with God in Spanish, in a a black Sharpie. And he got his wife to bring some candy along. They got ding-dongs and ho-hos and candy. And they had a little simple Bible story. And he shows up with his Spanish phrase book. Doesn't know really a lick of Spanish. And he begins playing soccer with them, giving them candy, and sharing a simple Bible story with them. Now, my wife was sometimes involved in that in the summer. And she would go up there with our kids. And they would load up the minivan and the, 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 the kids would see Bob coming and they would say, Bob, Bob! And they would run out to this field and he'd start passing out the candy and they would play soccer ball, play soccer, and uh, then he'd share them a story, a Bible story. The first little boy to come to faith was a little boy named Miguel. Um, and then more kids came to faith. And then Bob said, well, we need some Spanish speakers. I don't know what I'm doing here. So he got some people from church to go into the apartments now and to start talking to the parents. A lot of these parents are on drugs and alcohol. And they were skittish. They didn't want to talk. But he began to talk to them. And then he got a pastor involved. And then they began to do outreaches to that apartment. Dentists and doctors came in and did health clinics. And this thing grew and grew and grew. And he handed it off. And that's the church that he was helping to build these last couple of weeks. It's the church for that Hispanic community and that apartment complex. The first Sunday they had 100 people. It started with a guy saying, Lord, lead me. I'm going to be sensitive to your leading. And then taking a risk and making the sacrifice every Friday for years. Didn't always want to do it. He was out there with those kids. What is God calling us as a community, as a church to do? It may not have anything to do with what we thought the direction God was leading us, but it'll have everything to do, if it's in line with the Spirit, with His plan and with His purposes. This is an invitation that God gives us to participate in the expansion of His kingdom. He'll use another group of people if we don't listen, but if we listen and we seek the Lord's will and are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we can participate in the work of the expansion of the gospel. Luke wanted to encourage the church in his day. And we need encouragement as well. You know, we're a persecuted group. The Roman Empire didn't like them. They probably, many of them, were ostracized by family and friends for being part of a strange religious group, a new religious group. Uh, they were living with disappointment because they thought Jesus was going to come back and he hadn't come back in their lifetime. So this was a community that was discouraged and disillusioned and persecuted. They didn't have a lot of status in the world. They didn't have any political power. But Luke is writing them to remind them that it doesn't depend on your status. It doesn't depend ultimately on your resources. It doesn't depend on whether the government likes you or not. The expansion of the gospel and the expansion of the church of Jesus Christ depends on the work and power of the Holy Spirit and using people who are available to be used by Him. That's what it depends on. And that's why he wrote the book of Acts to encourage the church in that direction. 
And that's for us too, to be encouraged, to follow the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it will be a little unpredictable. It'll be a bit of a wild goose chase. But it will be an adventure. It won't be boring. God wants us to follow the Spirit for the glory of the gospel of His Son. Let's pray.